You're tuning in to the Raised by Rentals program. This podcast will contain strong language and spoilers for decades-old media properties. Welcome, everybody. This is the podcast where we examine pop culture franchises of the VHS era, improv new stories, and go on long-winded rants about our favorite movies, TV, and games. I'm Josh. I'm Mike. And we were raised by rentals. Mike. Yeah. Hey. Oh. oh hey. Shit, there's an echo in here. Mike. Yes. Yeah. Uh, wait, wait, wait. I'm hearing, I'm hearing two different sounds and two different uh, headphones. Uh, Mike, are you there? Yeah. Hola. Como estas? Hey. Donde esta biblioteca? Now the way, there's a Mexican mic. Is there a Miguel in the house? I'm so confused. You're so close to the border. I am. I, I, we've been invaded. You're you're picking up Irish Mexican podcasts. It's like when I, I it's use an my Irish Mexican radio. <laughs> it's like when I use my walkie-talkie with my kids and like random strangers just start talking to, and we get spooked out. So uh, there's, there's, there's so random stranger, reveal yourself. Hey, everybody, it's Mike from Count Creepyhead Saturday Morning Monster Mash answering the call to help you oh. guys out because I hear you have a little toy problem that you want to talk about. Yes. Yes, indeed. Now, because I'm your first guest, you guys need me to, like, buy a slice of pie so you could put the dollar bill on the wall of the restaurant? <laughs> <laughs> right? We got to get our first dollar. Right? Yeah. <laughs> So, well, well uh, Josh, what are we talking about today? Well, that's a good question. So um, I have one toy on my desk, and it's not a G.I. Joe. Mike, how many G.I. Joes do you have on your desk right now? Uh, currently, let me see. I only have two. Only two? I know. It's it's, it's two of the, the new ones. I have Lady J and the Cobra Trooper. Nice. What about you, Omei? I'm going to use Omei so I can differentiate between the two. <laughs> no, it's so cool. Get confused. Do you have any uh, G.I. Joes uh, on your desk or, or nearby? Yeah, I brought up a 25th anniversary Red Ninja ah, to play one. with, who is nice. basically Storm Shadow in red. Ninja yep. Viper. Nice, nice. See, I have no G.I. Joe toys. I don't have any anywhere in my house. And even though I have two kids, there are, are no G.I. Joe toys in my house. And it makes me a little bit sad because when I was a kid, G.I. Joe was my absolute favorite toy line. And it was the first comic book uh, series that I ever read on a regular basis that got me into my lifelong obsession and addiction with comics. And they were my favorite uh, cartoon uh, episodes, the first VHS cassette tape that I ever owned that was mine was uh, a G.I. Joe episode and one of the first movies I ever went to go see in the theater was the G.I. Joe movie and I have so many fond memories of G.I. Joe yet I don't have any G.I. Joe toys in my house because my kids aren't interested and I I'm wondering why that is like I know you guys own G.I. Joe toys you talk about it a lot on Count Creepyhead's Saturday Morning Monster Mash but what is it that makes the toys today different than the toys when we were kids. Like, why aren't my kids interested? Can you guys solve this problem for me? <laughs> I can. Go for <laughs> Go it. Go for it. Well, there's lots of reasons behind it, but one of them is that there's no cartoon tie-in. Kids don't watch cartoons in the morning before they go to school like they used to, like we did growing up. Um, 
latchkey kids aren't a thing anymore. So a lot of us, our parents went to work, we get up, have a bowl or whatever, watch G.I. Joe and syndication, go on the bus and or come home from school, watch G.I. Joe. And I'll get back to the cartoon. But then if you like the cartoon, there were toys that were affordable. Even if your parents didn't spoil you, if you had a paper route, you could get enough money together to buy one if you wanted one or two or 10 or 100. Or if you're a crafty, <laughs> steal them from Kmart. <laughs> Shh, don't tell anyone. <laughs> um, and on top of that, even if you couldn't afford G.I. Joe, you had the core. You know, yep. there's there's lots of like adjacent play with G.I. Joe. And I mean, the gimmick behind G.I. Joe is that it's like an action show for kids where anything is possible. Yep. They threw the kitchen sink at the wall with these G.I. Joe episodes to really like one. Yeah, sell toys, but two to kind of spur your imagination into thinking like a ninja can fight a robot and it's believable in this scenario because it's G.I. Joe. Um, <laughs> There's really sea monsters down under the water, you know? Yeah. You well, know, and there are. it's something that like, it was also because it was the eighties, the cartoon had high stakes. People were killed or almost killed. So if you kind of like squint your eyes a little bit, that guy died when the plane blew up. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. They killed Duke in the movie. So, like, <laughs> as a kid, if you wanted to have an action scenario as you're playing, and every kid did this, guys are getting killed left and right. That's fun. That's awesome. That's, like, adult-style action for kids. Whereas today, you know, it would be like, oh, he's hurt. He fell down. Or, you know, like, it's the parachute when the plane explodes. That kind yeah. of stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I think things have become a little too safety oriented and padded for kids nowadays. Whereas because it was the eighties, they didn't care as much and it was, everyone crazy. was coked up. Yeah. <laughs> um, and there's no, there's, you can't go out. The only thing that comes close is final faction and Fortnite toys. Yep. So if you're a kid who wants to play with action figures and also action figures for kids, isn't a cultural thing like it used to be in the eighties. Now kids have mm. video games, you know, Facebook, whatever else they're into. But when we were kids, it was just video games and action figures. Every kid growing up had an action figure line that they were into. You just it was something that was accepted and normal. Now it isn't because it's just not a thing anymore. Because yeah. they don't make cartoons with the sole purpose of selling toys. They don't <laughs> make toys as cool. Yeah, you know? yeah, I definitely, I definitely would agree with that. You know, in terms of the, the, the toys don't aren't as cool when it comes to the properties that my kids are into or have been into over the years. Like the their handful that they've been, you know, over the years they've waxed and waned in their interests. But you know, a couple of big ones stood out um, or stand out like uh, Adventure Time and Steven Universe and Pokemon. Um, I could I could go on you know, even the MCU and Star Wars and there are like a shitload of toys out there that are geared uh, or that are you know tailored to those kids and those age groups that are based on those properties and even a, a crap load of action figures but for some reason my kids have never been interested in the action figures they're interested in other types of toys and other types of merchandise like maybe like the backpack or the the star wars themed bicycle you know that mm -hmm. my son had and it's like the trading cards 
Yeah, even things like that. And and yeah, they they don't do the they don't get up in the morning and watch, you know, Saturday morning cartoons on their first day off, uh, you know, on the weekend. But they are constantly glued to YouTube, you know, to, on the iPad or the iPhone or or whatever. And I, I just think uh, I don't know, you know, we could, could blame it on the Internet generation, those damn kids and their Internets. But <laughs> <laughs> well, like, I, I mean, I don't see my kids like pulling toys out and making like imaginary stories on their own. Like they're not living vicariously, you know, through action figures. If anything, they're just acting it out themselves, you know, like did uh, Adventure Time have an RV with nuclear missiles mounted to it. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, definitely not. <laughs> you know, um, yep. but you're right. You're absolutely 100% right. Yeah. I was yeah. Saying, uh, Caleb really didn't get into any kind of action figures. I tried. Lord knows I tried. But uh, but now nah, he, he was into, I think that the closest to an action figure line he got into was Treasure X. And a lot of that was yeah. the mystery of, like, what character am I going to get and will I get the gold treasure? Um, so there was that excitement of almost, like, gambling for kids. You know, it was, it was, the, it was the trading <laughs> yeah. card excitement, you know. Um and when he would get a piece of the gold treasure, he was ecstatic. Like he would, you know, be running around telling everybody about it. But he had like this series of weird little skeleton monsters that he could pull apart and put back together in different configurations. And he played with those for a good while. And then he just lost interest. You know, that was the closest to an action figure line I was able to get him into. But everything else was video game uh, app related, you know, stuff like that. Um, he loves science toys, like anything you can build. And then, like, it does something like he has these, like, mm-hmm. weird little marble toys that it's, like, you can build in can different configurations and then drop a marble through and to, like, turn a fan and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. He loves those. Um, but, yeah, action figures just aren't a thing from th- those are dad's toys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, both both of my kids, like, they have action figures, but it's really more for it's really more like a statue, right? It's not a playable toy. It's a decoration that they have on a shelf. Um, And I will say there seems to be a difference between human action figure characters that they don't have a lot of interest in and like animals or monsters, like which they love. And Mm -hmm. I do, I do see them pick up, you know, the, the Jurassic park, like, you know, blue, the, uh, the Raptor, my son has blue in like four different sizes, you know, and they do that even with like Lego sets and they love to build, either you know some kind of creature whether it's the dinosaur set or they love the mcu because the mcu has so many cool villains and like you know build a figure type lego sets you know they can make the molten man or whatever and oh and ninjago they fucking love ninjago because Mm -hmm. there's so many cool vehicles and monsters and yeah again it's not so much about you know the, the the main characters the ninja characters it's about you know everything else all the stuff that surrounds it like the non-human stuff you know I, I i'm sure i could psychoanalyze it i think it has a lot to do with the fact that there's at some point there was a shift between like us as kids living vicariously through an action figure that was a character from a story and we were like acting out the story with the figure to now my kids like i said they're the character. It's like they would rather put on a costume and have like weapons and, you know, swords and shields and, you know, ninja stars and, you know, uh, straps and bandoliers and whatever. <laughs> and my, my kids act stuff out all the time. Like and and their friends come over and I expect them to play video games or something. And instead I go upstairs and like they they're all wearing like the last year's Halloween costumes and like they're acting out a story, you know, and that's like yeah. every single time. But 
you know, and I wonder, I don't know what that shift is. And maybe it's just that my kids are weird, but like, like I mentioned the other uh, neighborhood kids, cause they seem to do all the same kind of thing. And I don't know any of my friends or my kids friends over the years who have been in action figures with the exception of maybe like one or two, you know, there's a kid down the street who is into the, the newer versions of uh, the transformers based on those horrible, horrible Michael Bay movies, you know, <laughs> but even he only had like a couple of them because they're like big and expensive. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I feel like the monster thing w- was still a thing when we were kids, because, like, I know that was the allure of Ninja Turtles was, like, all of the weird mutants and monsters. Um, and I remember I did definitely play a lot of, like, uh, like role like role play style play where I think I, I mentioned this on uh, The Boogeyman's Closet and even Count Creepyhead, where after I saw Predator, you know, I took a Kleenex box and stuck to... Uh, like <laughs> fake plastic knives through it and duct taped it to my wrist and had the predator claw <laughs> and like was running around, you know, playing, uh, playing predator with my friends in the neighborhood. Um, but yeah, like it definitely is more, more uh, role play now with kids. Like I know Caleb and all of his friends do the same thing. Like they play outside, they make up different games. Like they, a lot of it is based on either weird YouTube things like uh, uh, SCPs. They, they base a lot of their games on that. What's um, an SCP? I feel old. SCP is basically, <laughs> and I, I forget what it stands for, but it's some kind of like, basically picture the BPRD for the internet. <laughs> um, it's a it's a group of individuals who curate these weird goings on on the internet, like different monsters and and weird phenomena across the globe. So basically, it's a it's the new stage of creepypasta. So it's, the, we're the a special team of crack professionals that investigate the haunted Chuck E. Cheese. Exactly. <laughs> so over it, and over and over. In, instead of Slenderman, you know, which was a creepypasta, now there's Peanut, which is this weird monster, you know. So, like, it, it's it's bizarre. You can go down a huge rabbit hole. Like, there's hundreds of these damn things. Um, once he started getting into it, I started reading up on it to see if there's anything cool I could draw. And um, I drew a few of them, and, and they're, some of them are really interesting, like Cartoon Cat is a weird one. But, um, yeah, him and his friends will, will play games like that, or... You know, they they all loved Five Nights at Freddy's, the video yeah. games. Oh, yeah. And then they would they would play like a version of Freeze Tag at the playground where like one of them was the animatronic mm-hmm. and they would like walk around and like you had to freeze when they walked by. Otherwise, they would they would see you and get you and realize, you know, you're human. So they would kill you. <laughs> it was, like, it, was a, it was yeah. a very bizarre, like kind of a freeze tag game, but it was it was cool. It was cool watching to play it. But yeah, oh, that's funny. My, my son and his, his, I'm sorry, my son and his friends do like a very, very similar, similar thing. Um, yeah. And, you know, a lot of the parents around here, too, like they they didn't want their kids watching or playing Five Nights at Freddy or um, oh, I can't think of what the other one really more or, or even playing like Fortnite because it's like, oh, it's like mm-hmm. too, too violent and like too scary for kids. Um, but, you know, and it's like, OK, yeah, I get that. But, you know, right. shit, I, we were, I was watching Robocop when we were like seven. So it's <laughs> right. like Five Nights at Freddy ain't shit. <laughs> right. Well, that's the thing. Look at the stuff that getting us back to G.I. Joe. Look at the stuff that we grew up with made for kids. Like and, and I know we will talk about this more and more uh, as the show goes on. But like the G.I. Joe cartoon, like, yes, it eventually started to soft pedal the violence. But in that first like um like the what is it the pyramid of darkness or whatever the first uh yep. miniseries was cobra soldiers died you saw no parachutes coming out of those planes the first couple of battles those planes those rattlers got blown up and no one parachuted out 
There were his tanks getting blown up and no one was getting out. So like, yeah, they were killing people. And then, you know, later on, it was like, oh, the plane blew up and oh, look, major blood is floating away in a parachute, you know. So they, they soft pedaled the violence after a while. But yeah, like it was there, you know, um, again, Ninja Turtles, like there was a lot of uh, chopping the heads off of robots, and, like blowing shit up. So like we we had violence pretty prevalent in our cartoons. And hell, let's just look at the Transformers movie. You know, we're all what, like six, six and seven years old, you know, getting brought to the movie theater and like watching Prowl and, and frickin' Cliff Jumper get gunned down by Starscream and the gang. It's like <laughs> they're they're like robotic soul leaving their body as their eyes turn gray and they fall back. It's like <laughs> holy shit. Yes, and I remember as a kid thinking, thinking like, oh, fucking finally. Like, not that I hated those characters, <laughs> but it was like enough with like the kid gloves, you know, like this is a war. You know, even as a little kid, I remember thinking like, this is so stupid that these characters are literally fighting wars in the Transformers and, you know, G.I. Joe and even, you know, shit like Thundercats. Like, this is an actual like intergalactic war. How come no one has ever died? Like, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> well, the movie took care of that. They're like, kill everybody. I know, right? And then when they made the G.I. Joe movie and they pushed out on killing like the one the one character. Oh, yeah. I hated that <laughs> ending where like, hey everybody, Duke's okay. Okay, great. <laughs> Credits. <laughs> well, I love it because like when he gets stabbed with a snake, like again, stabbed with a snake. That wow, okay. When that happens <laughs> and he falls back, it's like everybody is acting like holy shit, Duke's dead, and off camera they have someone say, He's in a coma. And everyone's crying like he's dead. It's like, wait a second, what? No. I know. There's even a scene later on when uh, what's it, Falcon is like, you know, talking to the sky, like, right. like, 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 oh, Duke's up there watching us. Thanks, okay, big he, he brother. Came out. I know. And then later on, like, he came out of the coma. He's gonna be fine. Like, wait, well, then why were you talking to the sky? <laughs> you you know that shit was added in after parents groups flipped out about Optimus Prime. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah yeah. For sure. For sure. So. What's the status of G.I. Joe? You guys know that I'm not like a big toy collector. Obviously, you guys talk about, I guess, a lot right on Count Creepyheads Saturday Morning Monster Mash. But uh, so what's what's the status of G.I. Joe now? Like, I, what, are the, what are the toys like? Like, what's the deal? I mean, Mike can probably agree with me here. I would say other than the current classified style figures, which are six inch Marvel Legends style G.I. Joes, and basically they're just going back and remaking all the G.I. Joe's from the 80s in a different scale with more articulation and some new bells and whistles. Um, it's dead. So the Snake Eyes movie got dumped during COVID back when the theaters just started to open up again, and it did nothing. And the toys didn't go anywhere. Um, and I think they made the mistake of, like, let's make a good movie first, sell toys second. They kind of didn't get that right balance that uh transformers maybe did of you know we gotta get people to the stores to buy our product and make a good movie at the same time this was just sort of like mike you've seen it it's a it's a straight up ninja film but it's not really pushing a ton of product um but the toys are clearance they're sitting there nobody's buying them and they didn't make them in the classic beloved three and three quarter 3.75 scale with all the articulation um which that pisses me off still to this day because they did <laughs> they did the 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 classified series ones which i understand you know there's a lot of classified collectors 
But then they did the the whole disservice to the line by making another scale. And it wasn't three and three fourth inch. They did the five inch scale that were pretty articulated. But it's like, no, nobody wants G.I. Joe in five inch when you have the six inch Marvel Legends style and then the three and three fourth inch classic style. Like, why do we got this weird hybrid in the middle? Ugh, it pissed me off because I was excited <laughs> to buy those designs because I'm like, ooh, new Night Creeper. And I'm like, ah, it's garbage. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I mean, Night Creeper. because the movie failed, I would venture a guess that there's no cartoon in the works. And there's definitely nowhere to play the cartoon with Netflix kind of bleeding right now um, because they're the most cartoon friendly of all the streaming services. And, uh, yeah, like, I guess it's at Paramount would be where it would go. But it's, you know, of all the apps out there, Paramount's probably one of the least used. Right. So you've got to have the most Mm -hmm. access for the most children to see it to sell the most toys. Um, If I was in charge and, uh, you know, we'll talk about this, I would get it on YouTube. Yeah. 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 Same idea. Yep. Everybody has YouTube. Yeah. Well, hey, it's free. Let's let's talk about that then, right? Like, let's just uh, let's not be around the bush anymore, and let's just talk about then. So, instead of you know bitching and complaining about how you know GI <laughs> Joe, this toy we loved when we were kids, how come the kids don't love it these days? You know, just because we're old. But uh, <laughs> like, how how do we bring yeah? How do we bring back GI Joe? How do how does it work? You know, in the 2020s, how do we get kids into it? What would make kids excited? Not just about the property where they want to like watch something and know who the characters are, but you know, if we were executives at Hasbro, how do we get the kids to spend their money on the GI Joe toys, on the merchandise? You know, how do we get them excited when they go to Target? Well, you got a few problems that need to be solved first. First of all you've got to get the price in an affordable spot, which is a problem now with gas being four and a half dollars and up everywhere. And that oil, you know, is used to make plastic. Um, but beyond that, Hasbro is becoming a company that cares more about profits than they do about the actual product that they're releasing. Um, so say you're Hasbro and you're making Marvel toys, you have to pay a licensing fee to make every single Spider-Man figure. Mm-hmm. You don't have to pay anything for ha- for G.I. Joe because you own G.I. Joe. So in theory, a toy line that you own can be made for cheaper and better because you're not paying anybody anything. A case in point would be He-Man at Mattel. Yep. They can do whatever they want. They own it and it's cheaper. And guess what? It sells like hotcakes. Mm-hmm. So you've got to get Hasbro to just say like, we need to believe in this and we need to make it affordable because it's not kids that are buying it. It's mom and dad who are going to be buying it for the kids. And you don't have to worry about selling it to adults because they're a built in audience. Your goal should be hooking in kids first collectors second. Um, And I think once you get that established, you need to go all in. You can't just be like, we're going to try four figures and they're all snake eyes because we don't want to take any risks. Exactly. <laughs> like you've got to go whatever you're comfortable making. Say like we're going to give you a budget to make 10 guys. You got to say fuck that. We're going to make 20. You got to go like balls to the wall. There needs to be quantity and assortment and variety out there for kids because the the appeal of GI Joe cuz once it started getting going strong, you had 
any possible character your imagination could want was practically a, a G.I. Joe. Yeah. You have robots, you mm-hmm. have ninjas, you know, you want something that looks like your dad. You can find somebody <laughs> that looks like your dad. <laughs> right. Because there was yep. such a wide variety and they need to do that right from the start. They can't just keep going back to the same ones. They keep making over and over and over. They don't have to even make new characters. They, the, the well is so deep. Yeah. Um, and, they, and they keep making the same characters that like guys our age are would be interested in because we loved Snake Eyes when we were kids, you know, or we loved Zartan or whoever the fuck, like all the popular characters. Like, cover, and it's like the kids now don't care because they don't know who those characters are. So you have a total blank slate to make whatever character you want popular. I get that Snake Eyes is cool. He's a jet black ninja. I get it. You put him in there. But you don't need to give us Duke roadblock flint the same guys over and over and over give us guys we haven't seen in a long time make up new guys i mean mm-hmm. we proved with he-man it's not hard oh yeah and all you need is whatever their gimmick is like i'm the guy who's camouflaged give him a name give him a toy give him a cool weapon put him out there i am the guy who has a drone that i control give him <laughs> a name give you know it's really simple i'm the guy with roller skates I yeah. am the blind ninja woman, which is Jinx. But so once well, you get that, like the established, you're going to put a lot of product out there of characters. You're going to have it at an affordable price. You're going to keep it at the level of articulation that people expect. Don't cut corners and have them be like vintage Star Wars toys where you can't do anything because another part of the appeal of classic G.I. Joe's is because you can move them everywhere. And do everything. They could hold weapons. They could ride motorcycles. They could beat the crap out of each other. You you mm-hmm. had, you, you know, your imagination wasn't limited by the movement that they had. you got to also make it so they're customizable like the old ones were. So you can unscrew them and swap parts out. Yep. you got to bring that back so kids can do that. You don't even have to advertise it, but it needs to be there. You need to have vehicles, which is another appeal of G.I. Joe. And you got to make them affordable. Just because you have a vehicle doesn't mean it needs to be... A hundred bucks. This is case in point. Again, shouldn't be he man that's out there now. Their vehicles are affordable. And most of the time they come with a guy. Yep. Which G.I. Joe did back in the day. You got a vehicle, you got a figure and you got to build the vehicle and put the stickers on it, which is like an added layer of fun, especially if you're a boy. Of just like, wow, I mean, you kind of take pride into this. Like, I just built the muskrat vehicle. That's awesome. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yep. Once that's all said, and you got to get creative people working on this. You can't just be like Bob in accounting. You're around in the 80s. Make this happen. You really got to go out there and actively cre- like recruit creative people. Mm-hmm. So you got your toy line. You got your price. Then you've got to put media out there so kids can understand what it is and get excited about it. Uh, video games, they've tried. It has not worked. God, they've, they've, they've screwed it up so many damn times. <laughs> There's so many good ways to do a G.I. Joe video game, but I'll, I'll get into that later. <laughs> so if you're yeah, going to put a, well, a, a video game out there, any kind of multimedia that you're going to put out there for kids to consume to buy your product needs to be free. If there's an app, they do not pay for it because the purpose of the app is to get them to buy the toys that you're making. So you mm-hmm. need to make that investment in whatever free app it's out there. That's going to encourage these kids that like, holy crap, these toys are fun. I need to go buy them because I have this flash game that I'm playing like Fortnite. I love these Fortnite guys. I'm going to go get the figures and play with them. Don't have a $40 game for Xbox switch and PS4 
that if I'm buying a gift for my my daughter or my son, whatever, I'm not going to drop money on that because then it's like, then I have to go buy the toys too? No. Yeah. And you know mm-hmm. what? If you're going to make a cartoon, a cartoon, by the way, that needs to up the stakes and not put on kid gloves for kids. Mm-hmm. You, Kill characters because you have such a gigantic library of characters. You can blow up Cobra Troopers. You know what? If you're going to do a, an episode and you want to have Sneak Peek get his head cut off, go for it. Because that's <laughs> cool. And if I'm a kid and I see this in an action show, I'm going to relate to it more. And I'm going to think it's not stupid because that age range that you're selling to, that 6 to 12, 6 to 13, 6 to 14, mm-hmm. likes that kind of stuff. They don't yep. like that, like, oh, man, I love these G-rated cartoons with fart jokes. I mean, yeah, they're great, but you want more. You want those action-packed movies. All right, do you want to watch Running Man, or do you want to watch Pick Some PG-13? Whatever. <laughs> I, I, I don't... Yeah, I mean, for us, pretty much anything Pixar, I'm like, okay, yeah, I mean, I'll pick an action movie. Or like, you know, just recently I was watching uh, G.I. Joe, the, the Rise of Cobra uh, live action film, and I was watching it on my own, like, ju- just uh, for research for an upcoming episode. And uh, my son walked through the room, and he was outside playing with some friends, so he wasn't sitting there watching the movie with me, but he walked through the room, and he just immediately stopped and looked, and it was it happened to be a sequence, an action sequence with Snake Eyes and Storm Shadow. And, you know, he didn't stop and sit and immediately go, oh, sweet, you know, sit down and watch the movie, but it, like, captured his attention. You know, he walked through, saw the great cool ninja fight watched it until they started talking too much and then he like lost interest and walked away you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly yeah but but the point is like that's what he was excited about it was like oh cool like fight they got swords and you know they're cutting each other up and they're getting all bloody and you know it's uh, it's exciting you know and yeah yeah i definitely think the action is you know is should be the focus even more so over the story you know, and there's a lot of great cartoons out there now that have great stories and even that are good reboots of old properties like the, the She-Ra reboot, I think, is a perfect example of how you bring back an old property with modern, young, creative people putting a totally new spin on it. And, you know, so that it works for a different generation and not trying to appeal to the 40 and 50 year olds recapturing their childhood. But right. you really just make changes to it you know and don't be precious about it and i I really think that that's the secret is we need to stop being so precious about what gi joe was and if you want to sell the property you know make changes to it in the exact same way that if you compare the three and three quarter gi joe you know uh uh, action set and the characters that like larry hama came up with that first like 1982 uh you know toy line with um you know, Cobra and Duke and whatever and Flash and Zap and those guys compare those to the original G.I. Joe, you know, the 12 inch tall dolls. Right. And yep. even the Kung Fu grip flocked hair Joes, you know, that kind of came in between. And they completely reimagined the toy for a different generation based on what was popular at the time. And like, that's the secret. If you want to bring back Joe, you got to just burn it down and start over again. And you have you can use the same characters, but completely come at it, you know, from a different angle altogether. And, you know, yeah. and, you know, may you said like a ton of stuff and I'm like, Oh man, I have a comment on this and I have a comment on that. But I, for me, I think the, you know, the, the inroad is exactly what you said. It's, it needs to be free 
or cheap as hell because toys are so expensive these days. Video games are expensive. Movie tickets are expensive. Like there's everything fighting for the parents' dollars and the kids' allowance money. So when you, if an action figure is thirty dollars and a movie ticket is fifteen dollars and you know a, a Switch game is sixty dollars, like yeah. you're not going to be able to grab a, care, a kid's attention, especially when you have a property that's based on having hundreds of characters potentially involved. So yeah, it needs to be, you know, uh, a YouTube series. So it's totally free, three, four minute episodes, like so that you don't like lose the kid's attention, like micro episodes, right? Combined with an app, like I said, completely free, Mm-hmm. Um, that the kids where the kids can play like little games, you know, it can be it doesn't even have to be one game, it can be like a series of different like types of mini games that involve the characters. But the, I think the true secret is, and, I, and I'm thinking about the stuff that my kids are into, and like you know, the the explosion of things like you know, Pokemon is it there needs to be a collectability frenzy around all of the characters, like gotta catch them all, you know, that has to be a thing, right. and. I think the Nintendo Amiibo model is a really good example of how you do that. Like toys that literally do nothing, but because they give the kids some kind of an incentive, like a bonus in a video game, it's like they want to collect those, right? You know. Oh, yeah. and, I'm, and I'm not saying we make Amiibos, but it's like we're talking about having like a free web show and like a free app and then toys that are, you know, collectible where you want to get all of them. Well, then the the synergy is, is obvious where you have the toy character tie into the game in some way, like you have to scan the figure to get a bonus in the game or the figure comes with a code or something that gives you like, you know, something free in your inventory. And then that way you have kids who have this incentive and they want to like trade with their friends or go to their friend's houses. Oh, let me take pictures of your figures. You take pictures of mine, you know, and we like right. build up inventory and you, you it has to be something collectible uh, so that they're excited about getting more. Because they may not be excited about, you know, uh, the fourth new release in like the Ninja Clan because, you know, like, you know, Night Creeper, whoever might look cool, but that's not what they're interested in. What they're interested in is like, oh, I can complete my set and I have the whole Ninja Clan now, you know? Right. Well, well that, you could do the figure stand like the, the yeah. every G.I. Joe always came with a figure stand. So that that could be the like the scannable feature. So have like whatever little chip or whatever in there to be like, oh, now you can put Night Creeper in the game by scanning this stand, but you still have an action figure. So you can set them up on the stand if you want as like an amiibo type thing, but you could take them off the stand and play with them like an actual figure. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I agree. It's very easy to make a Lego style sandbox game, scan a yeah. code, guy pops up in the game. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Josh, you touched on something earlier that I think you kind of skipped or missed is that your kids love Ninjago. Yeah. Yeah. Part of the appeal of Ninjago is that it has no rules, and they will do anything. Mm-hmm. And every new assortment of Ninjago has a new gimmick and new characters. There are ninjas, but these are arcade ninjas. This is post-apocalyptic Ninjago. Now we're fighting snake men. Yep. Yeah. Now there's a guy with yeah. eight arms. You can't limit yourself to creativity. Um, or you can't limit your creativity. That didn't make any sense. I think something they could do <laughs> in an app to kind of encourage kids to go there. Let's say, now we've all played with G.I. Joe's, they're modular, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. There's a head on a ball joint that you take it apart. There's a chest that comes apart. There is an underwear crotch piece, two arms and two legs, all held together with a screw and a rubber band. 
Yep. So let's mm-hmm. say you make something similar to that, right? Okay. What if yep. your kid could go on a website, design their own G.I. Joe, Hasbro, like Legos, says, okay, you've got these parts to pick from. You just made Ninja X. Mm-hmm. You can buy yeah. it from us. We'll send it to you. Yeah, that's awesome. So oh, I- instead of going to the store and buying 10 guys to make the guy up in their mind, they can go to this Hasbro portal, design their own character on this website. or Maybe they don't even have to buy it. They can just have fun making guys and seeing how they look. Mm-hmm. But if there's one they want to actually buy, they have the parts on hand. They'll make it for you. They'll send it to you. Yeah. Oh, they can I, just send you the parts if the if the figures yeah. are modular. Actually, yeah. More just fun is parts. making yourself and teaching yourself to like hold that figure in place, stretch the rubber band out, the O-ring, get the tiny yeah. screwdriver. You know. <laughs> well, even if they were even if they replaced that, you know, with a different type of uh, you know interconnect, so that's a little bit easier. Like I think it would be that's a great idea. Is you design it so that the, you can pop the arms off easily, pop the legs off easily, pop the chest apart, and it may not be as articulated as a classic figure, but you're going to exchange that for the new play feature of oh, well, now I can make whatever I want. You know, now it's like the mix a monster you know playset. So, and here's an even great idea too: is if all of those pieces are you know, scannable, like on, you know, the camera on your iPad, well, then, you know, you buy the new, you know, uh, the new Ninja figure, you scan it in and you get whatever, you know, bonus in your inventory from that. Well, well then what if you have several figures or your friends have figures, you, you mix and match and swap out arms and legs and ch- torsos. And then it's like cooking food in Breath of the Wild, where it's like, well, what combination <laughs> am I going to put together to get what kind of a bonus, you know, because you're going right. to scan it in and the app's going to see, oh, yeah, that's Snake Eyes' arms and that's Duke's leg and that's Zap's chest. And you combine that together and now you've got, you know, like a pyro ninja and you get some cool bonus from that, you know, whatever. Like, I'm just making and, it up. But that way, that way, then the kids get excited because then their creativity will lead to like, oh, what new shit can I unlock in the app? Like, what else can I figure out? Right. And are you making a stake? making a mistake thinking that kids are beholden to apps. Um, like, think, are we underestimating kids today? Maybe they'll play with these toys just fine. Oh, I think they it's would. just, they have sucked for so long. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They don't play with them. I, they, no, I this I isn't nostalgia. The, they were better when we were kids. Yeah. I, I do think the app, uh, inner, like the app integration is important only because like watching how, like watching what's grabbed Caleb's attention over the years, it's like if a toy line has some kind of like video game or app integration, he usually gravitates more toward that or even yeah. just some kind of phone usage like the. Um, oh, my God, I forget what they're called, but those little weird little stick men that they came out with. Stick fizz. Oh, yeah. No, or no, no, stick, not the stick bots. You know, I, I was yeah, going to mention bots. the exact same thing. My son Griffin, that's one of his favorite toys that actually is an action figure is the stick bot because he yep. can actually play with it. It has cool play features with like the suction cups and then again, it's modular and you can twist it around, but it yep. comes with like little diorama sets and then you can put it on your phone and make a little animation and he loves it for both. Sometimes he makes animations and sometimes he just plays with it because it like sticks to the windows and it's, yep. it's the, the integration is perfect that's the same with caleb that was the same exact thing that drew him in well what what drew him in was the fact that you could use your phone for it and he you know he had just recently got a phone so he was like oh cool i can make animation and then he realized you know they had the suction cup hands so he would play with them in the bathtub all the time <laughs> he'd yeah. stick them to the wall you know um but yeah so i think that the mix of having uh the app integration and the action figure is is pretty important for for this line to to thrive um but now, okay. So, did, did either of you guys like think of like, uh, like an actual story or anything for these guys? I think you can have the basic 
skeleton of G.I. Joe. Cobra are terrorists doing batshit crazy things. They're not just like, we're going to blow up the president. They're doing like nutso Dr. Mindbender stuff. So before this episode, I watched Arise to Pentor Arise, the five-part kind of mini movie that was kicking off like a new year of toys for Hasbro. Um, because I always thought that was a, a nice story to kind of encapsulate what G.I. Joe was about in the cartoons, because I thought this was going to be like a legitimate race by rentals episode, not a rental rant. Mm-hmm. And I was going to have, this is what I was going to do with G.I. Joe, the movie to then push the toys. But they, it's a hundred and four. It's like an hour and 40 minutes. They introduce a bunch of new characters, a bunch of new vehicles, and it covers the whole spectrum. There's monsters, there's grave robbery. You've got Dr. Mindbender being a crazy maniac. Just this guy <laughs> with suspenders and a monocle who's stealing parts of famous dead people to steal their DNA to make a <laughs> crazy leader to overthrow Cobra Commander who keeps failing at his job. <laughs> so he thinks that if I get like Genghis Khan and Dracula and I get their DNA, I can make this unstoppable leader. But Cobra Con, or not Cobra Con, Cobra Commander sabotages him, and Serpentor turns out to be a flawed maniac. It's all tip. There's like skullduggery and backstabbing, mm-hmm. and GI Joe can't get anything done right because they just rush in through every like everything has to be solved from violence. And Sergeant Slaughter's <laughs> yeah. there. Like they introduce Sergeant <laughs> Slaughter. There's new dreadnoughts. Um, I don't know where I'm going with this. Where well, was I have the a question. <laughs> well, <laughs> oh hang on. I, I have an idea. Well, the question was like if we had some kind of a story idea. And... Okay. Cobra wants to take over the world through the most fun, creative play patterns imaginable. <laughs> some days they're trying with ninjas. Some days they're gonna use robots. Some days they've got zombies. You gotta have zombies. Of course. Get those zombie vipers out there ASAP because if you really want to get violent, you can kill all the zombies you want. Nobody's gonna say anything. Yep. Um and G.I. Joe, this misfit gang of ex army, all with very easy to understand gimmicks, are out there to stop Cobra from taking over the world. In each episode is this is Cobra's plan. Which kind of gives kids like, okay, I've got these good guys and bad guys. Destro wants to put a volcano on the moon, and it's going <laughs> to spit lava on France. <laughs> and the only one that can save the day is Payload and Shipwreck and Bazooka. <laughs> and they're going to steal a spaceship because nobody believes them. And, oh, my God, there's moon zombies. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, and, it, it can it can be like a like a Secret Avengers thing where it's like every episode there's like you you know you pick the characters that are right for like that story you know yeah. right which is what I did when I was a kid I had the guys that I liked playing with all the time I had the, like my core dudes who got all the fun you know and you got the ones that need to be specific to your story and then the rest were cannon fodder and that was the fun of it so it's like all right I got Tunnel Rat my favorite. And, okay, I guess I need uh, Deep Six because I'm going to be going underwater. <laughs> and, okay, cross-country, he sucks. He's going to get run over by a hiss tank. He's the red shirt. Yeah, you yeah. know, and, and, like, I would just go crazy, and it was probably more violent than it should have been because I was a kid of the 80s, and you guys know what I'm like, my personality. Um, 
But you know, you want to like each episode, you want to encourage the kids that like you can go as crazy as you want with GI Joe. Yeah, and it's super. You need to trust that there's people out there that can tell a story. A beginning, a middle, and an end with the craziest plot details ever. Because they did it in the 80s, you can do it today. And if Adventure Time is possible, so is this. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For, you know, And what I would do is I would also play into that same collectability mentality of having like a ton of characters like we talked about. Um, but you, we mentioned things like Ninjago and Pokemon and, and like my kids were super into like Beyblade. But what so some of those toy lines have in common, too, is that it's not just like good versus evil or like the good guys and the bad guys. But there's like multiple groups or multiple factions. And it gives you the opportunity to introduce a lot more characters. And then also the stories are a little bit more interesting because it's not just G.I. Joe stops Cobra's evil plan and then rinse and repeat every single time. So what I would do is I would break it up into you know like i said multiple like i mentioned the ninja clan earlier because i was kind of going down this path but like multiple clans or or organizations so you would have like gi joe all these military characters who are trying to stop cobra the you know super villain type you know ter- world conquering terrorists but then you also have this like ninja clan you know it's the arishikagi but that might be too hard for kids to pronounce you know so you have this like ninja clan and then maybe like they're sworn to like protect the world from this uh you know this hidden race of like ancient monsters and you get all these like crazy monster cobra law type characters uh and then you have you take someone like the dreadnoughts and instead of having them be like over the top like weird punk stereotypes or like they're based on uh like the road warrior or mad max or something that kids might not be familiar with i would recast them to be sort of like the horror characters they're called the dread knocks you know they could still look nice. like punk rockers but it would be like the return of the living dead type punk rockers you know with like you know mohawks and spikes and but they're wearing masks and costumes and those are the guys who have like zombie troops with them you know they're the the creepy horror based characters with like the glow in the dark toys that you know the kids love um nice. and so and then you have like destro who's not a part of cobra because he's got the iron grenadiers and they're all like in space you know they're 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 the ones that have like the moon base you know and they're and so you have these like five or six different groups and then every time you tell a story it's like oh well you know oh no like the monsters like got out of like the hidden canyon and joe is gonna come and stop them and that they meet like the ninja clan and they find out that like oh they're sworn to protect the world from you know from the these weird secret under you know underground you know uh hidden monsters that live at the center of the earth you know and then you have a little story (laughs) and then the next episode it's like the joes versus like traditional cobra and then maybe the next episode after that is like cobra trying to like you know forget the earth we'll take over the moon ha 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 except wait destro and his iron grenadiers are like already there and then you have like villain versus villains in that episode and then you have all these possibilities to like mix and match that's exactly what you need i'm i'm realizing i went way too serious with my pitch (laughs) (laughs) so what's yours what's your pitch all right so uh, starting starting right off the bat we would need a a toy line a cartoon comic and video game like all tied together so like the multimedia blitz um the the cartoon i wanted to put on youtube as we had discussed the the uh video game definitely app based and i love the collectability idea but basically, this would take place roughly 25 years after Real American Hero ended. So we're going to have old characters, so legacy characters that are still around, but in different roles. So all of the, the, the Joes that kids will get to know are new Joes. It's not the Joes their parents knew. 
So it's like brand new characters. Um, G.I. Joe would be an international group now, much like uh, they were in the 80s toy line outside of America, because <laughs> it wasn't G.I. Joe, a real American hero anywhere else. It was G.I. Joe, an international hero. <laughs> um, and the way they did in the Rise of Cobra film. So this this would be like a worldwide, uh, you know, organization. Now, as far as like uh, Cobra goes, Cobra is no more. Um, however, there are weird terror attacks happening all around the globe using some pretty high tech equipment, but none of them are seemingly connected. So the first season of the show, I, I figured it would revolve around the, the new Joe team, which would be the first wave of toys, of course. Um, and they're trying to figure out the like what is connecting these attacks, who is arming these terrorists. Uh, they would not only end up uncovering the existence of Cobra, but how involved they truly are on the world stage. This would result, result in them going rogue, much like in Renegades or Retaliation, because Cobra is pulling the strings of a lot of world governments. Um, so basically the whole thing would culminate with them unmasking Cobra so they can no longer operate from the shadows, but now we realize what a world threat they truly are. So it's basically Cobra versus the world for, for season two. Um, and season two would basically be about new Joe characters going around and fighting the different Cobra warlords all around the globe. Um, but like, as far as the teams, like I actually went through and made like characters up. So like, uh, I figured that the new, the new Joe team would be led by, by general Conrad Duke Hauser. So he's, he's now old man Duke. Um, but <laughs> nice. like the design I had in mind was he would have like a cybernetic right leg and like a cybernetic forearm and a heavy scarring. Basically he ended up shielding some civilians from an IED blast, you know, ends up getting pretty screwed up, but is still a competent military general. So, you know, he's, he's kind of the, the guy behind the desk. He's, he's Charlie to the angels, you know, um, this one I, I, I like, I was like, okay, we need a new ninja character. So uh, uh, Rabi Adabi, so an Iraqi um, ninja character, basically, named, codenamed Dust Devil. So martial arts, trained under Jinx and Snake Eyes, all that. Nice. Uh, then we have Leon, Leon Dupont. He's a, uh, a French communications expert, uh, codenamed Firewall. Then Carter Williams, uh, 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 African-American woman from Chicago, uh, codenamed Sawbones. He's the field medic and hand-to-hand combat expert. That's now, nice. These two I'm, I'm really happy with. We have codename Thor, Eric Olson, uh, heavy weapons <laughs> and demolitions, and his sister, Loki, Elsa Olson, who is a mechanic and the driver of the Ragnarok. So oh, which nice. would, would be the first wave vehicle, which the Ragnarok I pictured as a bulldozer tank hybrid with troop transport capability. So picture like a big, like wedged bulldozer front with like a giant tank cannon on it. So this big armored vehicle that would just like plow into the battlefield and have the, the troop transport open in the back and just let out a bunch of Joes. Um, and then as far as legacy characters go, I was thinking, okay, we could have roadblock, but you know, he's, he's retired. He's a big heavy set dude now, but he's the, he's the Joe cook. Cause you know, he was always a cook on the show. <laughs> so we got to have the cook character. He'd be, you know, there for the laughs. Then uh, snake eyes, I figured would have taken on the role of the hard master at the Arashikagi. So he would be helping to train, new martial arts experts, but not actually being a field operative anymore. Um, and then Scarlet, I figured would be, she'd be like a Senator now. So she'd be like, she'd be trying to, to help the world through politics. So again, they'd be in the show, but not really like main characters. Um, but then for the Cobra, now this is where I kind of, I kind of went off the rails. Um, so we'd have Tomex and Zaymont. 
they would be leading a, a, a Scientology style church called the Church of the Ouroboros. So the whole snake eating itself thing. Uh, they'd have a very cultish appearance. So picture the two of them completely bald with like red robes. And um, okay. they would have like shit tons of money because they would be uh, a, a very heavily followed church around the world. Um, then we're going to have were uh, always rich, though, weren't they? Because they were they were the head of the Crimson Corporation. Yeah, yeah, they were funneling money for Cobra. But that's why I figured like, oh, no, like they're completely reformed. They're they're these spiritual leaders now. Yeah, and really. They're still doing the same thing. Um, then we'd have uh, Claret, real name unknown. Uh, Claret is uh, is an Aussie slang for blood. Um, okay. She's the, the new leader of the Dreadnoughts. Um, believed to be the, the youngest daughter of Zartan, but not not, you know, official. Mm-hmm. Um, we'd, of course, have Vipers, you know, looking very similar to the old school Vipers, just different outfit, more high tech gear. Uh, then you got to have a specialty Viper. So I was like, what about tunnel Vipers? We never did something like that. So picture like like a gas masked, like armored Viper with uh, like remember Laser Viper and Astro Viper, how they had those backpacks with the handles. Yeah, yeah, yes. those guys are cool. But picture arms with, like, buzz saws and drills. <laughs> so they'd be, like, excavating stuff like a trapdoor spider. They would build a little hole and then hide out. Um, and Because I just figured that would be a fun toy. Uh, a new bat. We have to have a bat. So bat 5.0. Same thing with the interchangeable limbs and all that. But its center would be a bioorganic mass. So picture, like, a blue slime in its center chest plate. If the bat gets too damaged, the living mass can then get out and like it can survive for a short period of time on its own outside the body, but would be able to possess other vehicles and weaponry and anything mechanical. So it'd be like a ghost in the machine. So even mm-hmm. though you killed the bat, it could still get your weapons and turn them against you. Um, then Dr. Mindbender, cause we have to have Mindbender, who is now more machine than man. Um, I actually had started making a custom figure of this years ago where I gave him like a spider lower body, very much like Darth Maul. <laughs> um, but picture him like, nice. you know, half human, tons of cybernetics, crazy as the day is long. Like basically uh, he has no human conscience left. So his imagination is his only uh, limitation as far as what he's creating. And then, of course, because we need a, a another ninja, we need a bad guy ninja. I was just Venom because, you know, Cobra. Uh, so Mysterious Ninja uses fighting styles unknown even to Snake Eyes, mixes technology with martial arts. So they would have like cloaking devices, like a weird heated blade, explosive throwing daggers, laser pistols, all that kind of stuff. So like a weird high tech ninja. So they would be the, the enemy of Dust Devil. And then, of course, in Wave 2, we'd introduce Cobra Commander because after Cobra is uncovered in the cartoon, we'd have to have the new Cobra Commander. Very similar to the old one, but it's not the person that Cobra Commander once was, so who's leading Cobra? So we'd have to find that out. Uh, as far as vehicles go, I had uh, the Boom Slang, so a small one-man cycle, sim- similar to the bike in Akira, but, like, with a domed shield and, like, um, you know, cloaking abilities. And uh, then the Cobra Crate, which is a small drone helicopter with four legs that lock onto a metal box. The box is capable of carrying eight soldiers. So it would be like a, a you know a robotic helicopter that then would just drop a payload of vipers. Nice. Um, and then as far as the legacy characters here would be Destro, still creating and dealing arms with the Mars Industries, but now working directly with NATO. So he seems like he's on the up and up. And then Baroness, who seems to have separated herself completely from Cobra, but is now a worldwide tech mogul. So she's got a shit ton of money. Um... But again, 
we'd find out on on series two, like once Cobra's uncovered, like, oh, shit, all these big corporations were involved. So, yeah. Nice, nice. That's kind of where I went with this. You you put a lot of thought into that. (laughs) Mike with the 10-year plan for G.I. Joe. (laughs) (laughs) No, I I think it's great. I had some similar small ideas like that with my movie adaptation of Arise, Serpentor, Arise, Mm -hmm. with just small modern changes in that um, I was like, what kind of character types is G.I. Joe not introduced? So it's like, we got the jungle tracker, we've got a ninja, we've got a doctor. You know, like they kind of just like, what are action stereotypes? Let's give them a, a, a catchy name. Boom. Uh, so I was like, well, there's no archaeologists to kind of counteract Cobra's, I need oh. to steal the skull of okay. somebody, or I need this MacGuffin in this ancient place. So I wanted a archaeologist character named BC. <laughs> nice. you know, but nice. is it even BC anymore? Is that the proper term? Or is it like... Oh, it's like BCE now, before the common yeah. era. Yeah. Whatever. Uh, That's cool. Like an Indiana Jones type character would be cool. Yeah, is uh, sort of, but in in this retelling of this movie, he's not a GI Joe, and he doesn't like solving problems with violence like GI Joe likes to do. But he's unwittingly dragged into this, or her, um, because he's the only one that can figure out what the hell Cobra's doing. Because GI Joe are all a bunch of like meatheads. They don't have <laughs> like the smart guy. They have like the missile guy, and the mustache guy. And the Outback guy, you know, it's like they're the all kind of like, guy. <laughs> if it can be so much shooting, <laughs> everybody has a mustache. In I, I immediately pictured Bazooka. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, like, I love how mustache guy is like, oh, yeah, obviously. Yeah. Bazooka, <laughs> Rakondo, Sergeant Slaughter, Junkyard. Uh, anyways. And then I wanted, you know, like we had to update some of the, you know, history's greatest maniacs that they're trying to collect to build Serpentor. So the whole idea would be that Cobra Commander isn't getting the job done. And because it's Cobra and everybody's kind of jockeying for position and stabbing each other in the back, much like the cartoon, uh, Tomax and Zamot and Destro and the Crimson Guard all side with Dr. Mindbender, who has this plan to get like Genghis Khan's DNA, Dracula's DNA. But in this, it's like he needs the hand of King Tut Hitler's brain. Like, <laughs> nice. just make it crazier. Like, let's steal Donald Trump's hair. <laughs> um, and he's going to make this, like, super ruler, or that's what they think. Wait, but, wait, Stalin's mustache. They got to get Stalin's yeah. mustache. <laughs> <laughs> let's get Rasputin's dong. <laughs> you know, like, let's go crazy. But it's also a reason that, again, do action set pieces. Mm-hmm. Which the cartoon did. Like, every episode, they were, like, in two special places. Like, we're in Atlantis. We're in Russia, and it's like, hey, look, it's horror show, and like the Russian GI Joe team, which yep. you probably wouldn't have Russian GI Joes right now, because um, <laughs> yeah. because thanks Putin. Um, and I also wanted Doctor Mindbender to, I wanted to crisscross Cobra bats and zombies. Yeah. So the first action scene, you've got this archaeologist guy BC doing archaeologist stuff. Cobra shows up, and they're like, hey, we're gonna. We need to steal the skull of King Tut or whatever, ancient Egyptian or it doesn't matter the scenario, but there's this archaeologist. They kill everybody and G.I. Joe shows up a few minutes later to kind of save the day. And that's also like, hey, look, it's Snake Eyes. It's Duke. Um, it's Dusty. The guys you, you know, you know and love. They're in this cartoon or this movie. And in the melee, uh, I picked Dusty. It could be anybody. 
gets killed by a bat. Cobra Commander sees the failure in this, and he's like, ah, I told you, you know, Dr. Mindbender's wrong. I was right. My methods work. But in actuality, they were infected with a technovirus. G.I. Joe brings their dead comrade back to G.I. Joe headquarters, and they turn into, like, a robo-zombie and just start fucking shit up. Nice. So I thought, like, okay, you can have zombies and cobra bats at the same time. Killing people. Um, a bunch like of that, action like sequences. Movie, virus. Yeah, exactly like Virus. Yeah. Um, they go all over the place to stop them from getting Hitler's brain and Donald <laughs> Trump's spray tan. And take your pick. It doesn't have to. It could just McGuffins. Um, but then I wanted Dr. Mindbender, instead of, like the movie, making a man out of protoplasm, he injects himself with his new super DNA and turns into a giant snake monster. Nice. Which then in turn kills everybody who thought they were going to support him. So like Tomax and Zayamot get eaten by snake monster and Cobra commander turns on him to save his own skin and get out of there and blows up the Teradome or like the giant floating snake head, whatever Cobra over the top base they're on Cobra Island, uh, Springfield, Missouri, like take your pick wherever their headquarters might be at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I just thought it'd be cool, giant snake monster. Because I hated, I still hate this, and they've never corrected it. Serpentor is just a putz in a golden snake outfit. Yeah, and he's got a chariot. Like somebody somewhere thought this was com- cool compared to like Zartan, Destro, Cover Commander. It's like let's give him a weird snake head. Mask one of thing. one of the IDW comics had they, him like they make him a monster. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, didn't they, like, mutate him or something? I think it was Renegades, the cartoon, like, Serpentor's in it as this gigantic boa constrictor. Yeah, but there there was something, I'm, I'm, God, I, I'm probably mixing it up. It might be, I don't know if it was Devil's Do or IDW, because I, I read a bunch of those comics back in the day. But I vaguely remember something with, like, there was, like, a church, like, worshipping Serpentor. And, like, he was he was no longer, like, this warlord, but he was, like not human either. Like there, there was something along those lines and I don't remember what the hell it was, but um, your idea is better. <laughs> much, much better because Serpentor was always like, Hey kids, new toy, go get them. And they did that every year of like new big bad guy. Here's cesspool. Yeah. Here's overlord. Oh, cesspool. Nice. Love cesspool. <laughs> well, cesspool's awesome. Yeah. They always have eye trauma. <laughs> yep. There was, oh, yeah. there's a monocle or something. Metalhead has like his visor that goes over his eyes so he can shoot his 2000 missiles. Um, <laughs> but that's also like whatever you can imagine, it can happen to G.I. Joe as long yep. as there's explosions and people are dying. You know, it doesn't have to be explicit. You don't have to have like, let's take a good guy and a bad guy. Like, Rock Viper doesn't need to get a Sub Zero style fatality from Roadblock. Right. But he can get shot in the chest and fall out a window. <laughs> or, you know, legacy character Tripwire still hanging around can get thrown in lava by the new ninja dude. Right. You know. <laughs> well, and that's the thing, like with with this, the way I was looking at it was like, you know, more, more like the Nick Turtles where it's like, all right, we're going to aim this at a new generation. So we're not going to be beholden to all the rules of the past, but there's going to be enough there for, you know, again, legacy fans, people who were there the first time around 
that that will be like, oh, cool, I want to watch this with my kids. Um, but again, taking it seriously, because if you look at that that Ninja Turtles, like they didn't pull any punches. Like they killed Splinter. They like beat the shit out of Leonardo and like choked him out. Like they did a lot of violent, over the top stuff. I mean, didn't they that, that, decapitate Shredder twice? Yes. Yeah, like they killed Shredder. He came back as a zombie. Like they they didn't pull any punches. Like the end of the fucking end of the series sees like Mad Max Turtles, where it's like Casey Jones is dead and his skull is a detonator in Raph's van. Like it's messed up, and they didn't pull any punches, but it was still telling, you know, like serious and fun cartoons for kids. You know, I have to address something that Josh you mentioned. You can make okay. changes to anything. Yeah. And people are going to complain. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Let's just, I am going to pick something that will make your classic fan of any property super upset. Let's make Duke is now non-binary, transgender, and African-American. <laughs> with pink hair <laughs> i think they already because, did something like that in the comic books but just just saying you're gonna change something like you're gonna make ram man ram man yeah <laughs> and all all of the fans are gonna flip tables over and they're gonna boycott and they're gonna sell all their classic toys from when they were kids and they're gonna boohoo in their mother's basement and it's just gonna be the end of the world but you know what <laughs> If you ignore them, yep. the people who like it are going to be nice and vocal about it. Oh yeah, and they're they're going to just going to drown out the people who are pissing and moaning in the background. Yeah, I mean and it's not going to matter. Yeah, right. Yeah, we we've seen that several times over now, like with the with these reinvented properties, like you know, like Josh mentioned with Shira, with uh, you know, He Man, with like I said, the Ninja Turtles. Like there was lots of stuff that got changed and. The, the vocal minority of complainers got drowned out by the people who liked it. Do what so. you have to to tell a good story, sell toys. Yep. And you're going to be fine. And I don't know what the term for it is, but like something to create a creative buzz by just gender swapping stuff. That's not what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, but, you know, do what you have to. There's going to need to be changes. You have to have changes. You can't have a team of white guys. Right. Oh, well, yeah. that's, that's like with, with the team that I was putting together, the idea is like, number one, make it international. So it's not all just U S troops. You know, I have an even mix of, of male to female ratio on here and, and all different ethnicities. Like, I think that's kind of what you need for, for a Joe team now, you know, also you, for a nerd reference, mm -hmm. the UK should have Eagle force. Oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah. And they like, should have their own people that they have to deal with. I think that each each section of the world should have their own like team of Joes called whatever. So like, yeah, call it Eagle Force. You know, um, you said horror show from the from the Russian guys. What were they called? Like the October Guard. And it's just it's just three guys. There's more in the comics. Right. But in I mean, cartoons, yeah. they don't do anything. But use that, like, be yeah. like, OK, Russia has the October Guard, you know, uh, the UK has Eagle Force, you know, G.I. Joe is 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 origined in America. But they're like all of these like groupings 
are now part of Joe. So it's like this global network, like I said, all working with each, you know, government leader. Um, and yeah, Canada, Canada could have GI buddy. <laughs> GIA. Oh, <laughs> oh man. That's your joke guy. <laughs> I'm not your guy friend. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I mean, like, and and that's that was that was definitely on my mind when I was coming up with these characters of like, you know, okay, yeah, let's not ha- like, okay, we need a Snake Eyes. What about an Iraq woman? Like, that would be pretty cool. And and I yeah, love the idea sure. of ha- calling her Dust Devil and having like, you know, the the cool like you know s- the scarf kind of mask and like, there's a lot of cool visuals you can play with this. Um, you know, and then like on the flip side, like having her use more like traditional blades and ninja weapons on the flip side having venom we don't know male female who are they because they're always masked and i pictured like their mask being like this weird tech helmet with like you know a like a three-eyed night visor type thing um but yeah like we don't know who who they are uh but they're the opposite end where it's like all high-tech gear rather than traditional ninja gear so i was trying to play play with those ideas when when coming up with these characters and i think that that's how you reinvent Joe now is don't focus on like the whole, you know, American jingoism, you know, just like be, be global with it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You're also proving the point that like, all you need is creative people. Yeah. And you did this in two nights. Yep. Actually, I wrote it all last night. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But now, but now to be fair, uh, you and I, Mike have talked about this uh, off the air a few times. Like, a go-to method of I need to fall asleep is to sit there and put together like a toy line in your head and then fall asleep thinking about it. And I have been thinking about this updated Joe team led by like cybernetic limbed, you know, Duke for a while now. And like the teams have changed and shifted, but like Thor and Loki, the brother sister uh, combo I've had in my head for a while, just cause I thought that was fun to have like, this big burly Viking looking dude with like a sludge hammer and a Gatling gun, be the heavy weapons guy. And then his, his sister, you know, be this like small rascally <laughs> type mechanic who drives the, the uh, Ragnarok. I was picturing her kind of like the pilot in Mad Max, um, uh, not Fury road, uh, road warrior, the little mm-hmm. gyrocopter pilot, like all squirrely and crazy. <laughs> uh, gyro captain. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, that's also like, I, you know, all these episodes are supposed to be short. I'm so sorry, Josh. <laughs> no, it's fine. Hey, we're having fun. I love characters who are like, my weapon is a giant wrench. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you ever get hit by a wrench? You know how much oh, that God. hurts? Yep. <laughs> like, just dropping any tool on your feet. Like, man-at-arms now, Duncan. Giant wrench. Yep. Just beating the <laughs> hell out of people. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Like, I-, I love that idea of having, like, you know, th- these, these uh, unlikely military characters but just kicking ass with like random gear that's yeah. so much fun I, and I, I i do actually really like the idea of updating it with new characters because i think that that would solve the you know the surly curmudgeon factor of you know guys our age who aren't mm-hmm. as open-minded who are going to bitch and complain about all the changes you made because that's not what duke is and that's not who cover commander is and uh, you know, and then there's going to be nothing but, you know, shitloads of like YouTube reaction videos and people reviewing it, explaining how the people who made the new G.I. Joe show have no idea what they're talking about. They obviously never watched the original <laughs> show. Oh, <Fuck laughs> those guys. Exactly. Fuck them all. 
Let me ask you guys a question. So a big appeal of the old G.I. Joe line were the random crossovers with real people. <laughs> yeah. So yep. two come to mind in particular that I loved as a kid. You got the William the Refrigerator Perry. Yes. A mail away Chicago Bear who <laughs> there was no team bigger in 1985 than the Chicago Bears. And nope. This is my go-to answer when people ask me what my favorite football team is. If I don't say the Bills, because if you don't say the Bills, you're going to get murdered, is <laughs> yeah. the Chicago Bears. Because I had the fridge with this football on a stick yep. action figure. And I would be amiss if I didn't mention Sergeant Slaughter. Oh, course. yeah. Especially with Ooh. how big wrestling was in the 80s. Like, yeah. I was a big, big wrestling fan back then. A guy who still is synonymous with G.I. Joe and still makes G.I. Joe products. Yep. They keep him in there. He pops up. It's Sergeant Slaughter. It's expected that he's part of the canon, as with wrestling. He He's just all over the place. Who would you get now? Oh, oh that's a really good question. Hmm. I, I'm i going to say John Cena. Yeah. <laughs> that's a good choice. He would fit. Yeah. I'm going to say Werner Herzog. <laughs> <laughs> The futility of Cobra. <laughs> oh, God. I'm just, I'm Finally, just we're going to mask Cobra Commander. Who is he? I love that. Uh... Oh, God. I'm, try- I'm trying to think, like, because part of the beauty of, um, you know, someone like Sergeant Slaughter is that he was already a character in a yeah. different, like, medium, right, in, in wrestling. Now, someone like, you know, the fridge, right, the refrigerator Perry uh, as a uh, sports star makes sense, right? He's an over the top, you know, figure to a lot of fans. I'm not a sports guy, so I can't, you know, like name somebody that would make sense, but like, obviously you would get oh. someone like, like a LeBron or a Kobe, you know, someone of like that stature, right? I think LeBron uh, James as a GI Joe is a great idea. Right? Yeah. Like, it would totally everyone work. would steal his head. Yep. <laughs> I just yeah. put it in there for, for the other Josh, if you ever listens to this episode, so you can punch <laughs> the wall. <laughs> that's it we got it okay so now we're going to spend the re- next 20 minutes talking about what the lebron james gi joe would look like and what the play features would be just to <laughs> he would, piss off he, professor pickman <laughs> but i mean basketball like basketball bombs yeah like yeah <laughs> like frag viper he'd have like a, a big like wrist gauntlet that he could throw basketball bombs it's a franchise bomb and he'll ruin whatever it throws at it <laughs> uh you know like, like 10 years ago money. you could yeah, ten years ago you could say Jackie Chan. Yeah, yeah. you know. Well, and so I, I was thinking about Sergeant Slaughter because the thing about wrestling is that like they were characters, but they were live action, like they were real people. It wasn't like a yeah. crossover with like another cartoon property. It was like they were bringing somebody that appeared to be like that's a real guy. You yeah, know? Like, so you had, he just played himself. Yeah. yeah. As so like. We'd have to figure out like what other property you know kids would be into that where it's like oh like this person could potentially be real especially since kids like sometimes have a hard time like differentiating between you know like reality but again going back you know to a previous generation like like the Power Rangers would have been an absolute perfect crossover right oh, God. Uh, because they exist in that reality where it's like there's a lot of people you know who really you know not only enjoyed the property but like you wanted to go and meet the character in real life you know at the at the the signing or the amusement park or whatever because you know you blur that line between the fictional character and the real person right would you get like ryan from ryan's world <laughs> the young recruit for <laughs> he, he'd be the tech guy um no i do think john cena was a good one only because like like kids all seem to gravitate to John Cena, like even like my son who has no interest in wrestling whatsoever, 
he loves John Cena, you know? Oh, so yeah. it's like, we've watched, uh, I, I always forget the name of it. Josh, you and I talked about this, that like movie with the firefighters with John oh, Cena. playing with fire, playing with Thank fire. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, that was really freaking funny. Like, and he's the one that was like, I want to watch this because it had John Cena in it. Yeah. Um, you know, so, yeah. even even something like The Rock, you know, like The Rock is another good yep. example of like, again, he's a wrestler, too. But even aside from that, if he's a celebrity who has uh, a mystique or has a you know a persona as a real person, he's, you know, Dwayne Johnson. And then he has the characters that he plays in movies and he's not afraid to play characters in movies that are very heavily geared toward kids that could potentially be corny, you know, like Rampage and Jungle Cruise and stuff like that. But like. Right. You know, my kids don't really pay attention to celebrities all that much. Like we watch movies and I'm the one who's like, oh, like that's the person. And they, they were in the other movie and we saw them in this. And my kids are like, dude, dad, shut up. Like, we don't care. But like, <laughs> exactly. But if they see The Rock or they see Jack Black or they see John Cena, like those are the, the celebrities that they recognize because in real life, they're like such over the top personalities. Yeah. No, I, I like that. I, I think I do think like on a serious note, John Cena and The Rock would be perfect picks on a hilarious note. LeBron and Werner Herzog. Like. <laughs> <laughs> we got to get we got to get uh, Professor Pickman to uh, invite Werner Herzog on to Count Creepy Head and, you know, give us uh, a, a preview of what it would be like. What is a G.I. Herzog like? Yeah. <laughs> I, I feel like he would work with Cobra. And, yeah. <laughs> like, I, I picture him riding around, and this is so silly. You remember, okay, remember Power Wheels? Yeah. Ima oh, yeah. Imagine a Hiss Tank Power Wheels with Hell just yeah. him, him riding around in it. <laughs> explaining the futility of Cobra Commander's plans. <laughs> oh man, oh, that'd be awesome. God. That'd be awesome. All right, guys. Well, I think I think we we've reached you know uh, a good stopping point. But I really like this idea, and I think you can kind of combine all of the things that we talked about. The I, you know, oh, like a yeah. quick the quick summary of like you take all of these new characters, Mike, that you came up with, and it's like you know it's it re real time has passed since the original stories, and now we introduce new characters and a new uh, basic you know the basic basic setup is the same, but we have a new you know framework around it. So that, you know, the kids aren't just rehashing, you know, something that we liked uh, as kids, but it's a new thing that's fresh for them. And then we have all these like new characters that we can, you know, turn into, you know, toyetic figures, obviously, and then bring in all the old characters as well so that, you know, the adults can still appreciate like, oh, that's Duke and oh, there's Tomax and Zaymon or whatever. And, you know, kind of yep. get excited about those kind of even if they're just cameos. But then you also have, you know these like different factions that are kind of at war with each other so that, you know, the kids can kind of, you know, kind of pick who they like, you know, do they like Ninja clan best or, or whatever, you know, they can kind of, and then you have this huge variety of toys, just like you see with Fortnite, you know, and, and Pokemon or whatever, where you have like, you know, the horror themed characters and the monster themed characters and the ninja themed characters. And you just have a yeah. massive amount of them and you make small figures with a decent amount of articulation, right? So that you can still play with the figures and yet pop, them apart mix and match them go on the app play the little like bubble popping and like mix and match games but also scan the characters in you know for some you know cool little bonus that you get in the game and then you watch 
the show, but the show is all like YouTube shorts. Like there's no episode longer than maybe 10 minutes maximum, you know, really the shorter is better, but you know, and, 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 and anyone can do it. I mean, Hasbro can make the cartoon or they can get young, creative, exciting, you know, people, you know, who want to put their stamp on it, like young animators who are like, you know, hungry to do something interesting. They'd be cheap too. you know. And right. then, you know, YouTube is, you know, free for anybody. So Hasbro can make a channel and put out whatever they want. And then you just have this whole, you know, media spectrum of toys and apps and, you know, cartoon shows. And then eventually maybe, you know, the video games that go along with it as well. And I think kids would be super into it because it's super collectible. Uh, you know, it, again, it's creative. They can mix and match. They can trade with their friends, you know, and I think we've kind of hit uh, you know, every uh, everything that makes G.I. Joe exciting, but also checked all the boxes off for like, how do we get kids interested in something so that, you know, Hasbro can resurrect this in the same way that they've been able, you know, or other media companies have been able to resurrect, you know, older characters successfully like the Transformers and She-Ra and the Ninja Turtles. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Awesome. Well, I really Could appreciate it. This, this is awesome, right? Well, and uh, Michael May, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, thanks for being our very first guest ever. We'll have to have you back another time for a longer session to do a straight up improv on another property. We have a ton of plans for those types of shows. It just our schedule makes it a little bit difficult, but I think we're gonna we have some uh, you know some general scheduling changes coming up soon. So I really hope we can we can free up some time uh, hey, and make it work. It's been a pleasure. Uh, listen to. If you guys want to hear more of the sweet, sweet baritone voice of Josh Strausberg, <laughs> he is going to be returning the favor and coming on to the next episode of Count Creepyhead Saturday Morning Monster Mash in the guest host chair, where we're going to talk way too much about G.I. Joe toys and some comic book stuff. Yes. So if you guys are excited, check it out. I've got a feeling these episodes are going to drop right around the same time. So just yep. look for the cross-pollination on your podcast feed. Yeah, for sure. Appreciate that. Just like we did recently with our Masters of the Universe episodes uh, that crossed over. And we didn't really get a chance to get on the recordings and like talk about it a whole lot because we were trying to work out the schedule. But, you know, yeah, totally. I'm excited about having the G.I. Joe episode um, uh, with this G.I. Joe episode coming out. Raised by Rentals, uh, the next episode where we do a full on improv improve i'll reveal it right now the next full-length episode will be a gi joe you know centered episode and then of course uh i'm super excited about coming on to count creepy head and talking about you know this property even more and uh and we'll, we'll see if professor pickman uh can can get mr herzog to, to come and visit us <laughs> <laughs> i'm fun. sure where there's a will there's a way <laughs> Awesome. Awesome. So that's a really good segue into, you know, uh, encouraging everyone out there to check out uh, these podcasts that we've mentioned, as well as the Boogeyman's Closet. You can find all of them at RadPantheon.com and at RadPantheon all over the social media as well. Uh, any last words, Mike or Mike? No, I think we said it all. So I'll just say, yo, Joe. Play with your <laughs> toys, everybody. It's my new catchphrase. It took me 45 episodes to find it. <laughs> that's right. All right, play with your toys while we return some videotapes. Raised by Rentals is a member of the Rad Pantheon Network. Visit radpantheon.com to support Rad Stuff. The theme music is Forbidden Fruit by Velvet Bethany. You can purchase music and learn more at velvetbethany.com. Velvet Bethany.